This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Where have you guys been? (laughs) Josh Lewin here, proud, flattered, thrilled to be your host of this daily digital download, the single greatest thing the Mets have done in the history of the franchise, other than winning those couple of World Series. There's even a cheesy theme song. You, uh, you guys want to hear it? Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. What the? A surprise party? Here is the reboot of the old Daily Mets podcast some of you may remember from back in 2018. We call this, as you may have heard in song, Mets in the Morning. Yago, not the on-ramp we were hoping for to get this started, quite honestly. The Mets just lost two out of three and everyone keeps getting hurt, but they closed with a bang on Sunday. They were down 6-0 in the first inning, and they, to quote the late great Bob Murphy, won the damn game. 7-6. We'll get to all that in short order, I promise. Great to have you here for what will be a Monday through Friday situation. 15 to 20 minutes of news, notes, and nonsense delivered digitally right to your ears wherever and whenever you find convenience. So please think of me maybe as the breakfast guest you invite inside before you head on out for the day. I will always bring the donuts, so to speak. I got you. I am now the podcast version of Joey Bag of Donuts, even though I'm living more like... uh, Jared Fish Taco out here in Solana Beach, California. Hey, the world is flat, or some such. A Mets fan and former Mets broadcaster really can do, I think, a very informative podcast from three whole time zones away. At least that's the theory. I'm sure you guys will let me know if I'm wrong. For those of you who don't know me or care to remember, in the words of Austin Powers, allow myself to introduce myself. I am Josh Lewin. I am a little cheesy. And I was blessed to spend seven years working alongside the wickedly talented Howie Rose on Mets Radio. I left a couple years ago to pursue my lifelong dream of moving across the country for a job that would never actually get created. Uh, You guys remember Linus waiting for the Great Pumpkin to show up on those Charlie Brown Halloween specials? Yeah, pretty much that. So, uh, even though the West Coast is my home now, I am still very much a Mets fan, still listen to Howie and Wayne, still watch GKR, uh, still an honorary member of the Seven Line Army, I hope. So, even though this podcast will be done remotely most of the time, please know my credentials are strong. Uh, I'm still the same weird guy I was when last we spoke. You'll get a lot of deep dives, a little pop culture, and in fact, here we are two minutes in. I have yet to make a single Seinfeld reference. Well, I'm a little rusty. Last time I worked the Mets game, it was the 2018 finale, the day after David Wright's final game. Remember that uh, Pete O'Brien guy who had the audacity to catch that pop-up and not let it drop foul? Here's how long ago that game was. Syndergaard pitched a complete game shutout. The Mets center fielder was Austin Jackson. And, of course, the Wilpons still own the team. Suffice to say, a new day has dawned. Here are the Mets, 48-42, after their eventful weekend in Pittsburgh, which will be reviewed, I promise, 
once we're done with the housekeeping here. The, uh, the goal of the podcast, very simply, is to get you the freshest bread in the bakery every day. So whether you're listening first thing when you get up or on the way to City Field at night, uh, the thought is to get you all the latest with commentary from me, highlights from Howie and Wayne, the deep thoughts of Luis Rojas, and the occasional player. We'll pack it all in a somewhere around 17 minutes, because if we go exactly 17 minutes, that's the time, in theory, it takes to ride the 7 Express from Grand Central to Mets Willits Point. Uh, very scientific. Obviously, if you've ever been on that train, you'll know it doesn't always work out to 17 minutes, but just ballparking it around 17 minutes, this one will be a, a little longer. So, some general thoughts on the Mets season to date before we get to Sunday's remarkable win at PNC Park. Uh, overall, I, I think the airplane was finally climbing above the turbulence before this past weekend. Actually, wind it back to the game right before the All-Star break when they failed to hold that 5 nothing first inning lead back home. Uh, Lindor gets hurt this past Friday night. Just as he was getting going, he's onto the IL with a strained oblique. He could be on the IL for a while. Then we learn Jacob deGrom won't pitch in Cincinnati tomorrow. In fact, he's now on the IL with a sore forearm. Going to be tough to win that Cy Young Award if he's not back soon. And you hate that with his brilliance, uh, that he's now basically developing the injury history of Kenny from South Park. Beyond frustrating, right? I mean, they, they finally get back to reasonable health. J.D. Davis comes back, immediately hits two home runs. The whole gang is back together, and it's for not even the, the lifespan of a carnival goldfish. Your supposed top hitter and absolutely your top pitcher both get stuffed onto the I.L. within 20 hours of each other. Uh, not ideal. So back we go to an unrecognizable hodgepodge, a Star Wars cantina of players just rolling in and out all year. We will no doubt look back on 2021 someday and say, Cameron Maben played for the Mets? Jake Hager was a Met? Corey Oswalt started on the 4th of July at Yankee Stadium? Yeah. Never forget, at one point, the entire outfield and the top two backups were down. The starting second baseman, starting third baseman, 60% of the rotation, two of the top three relievers, all out at the same time. But, and this is why you love this team, they played 33 games in 31 days, shredded by injuries, never fell out of first place. Very compelling narrative. Now it is fair to ask, where does it all go from here with Lindor and DeGrom both on the shelf? Well, you've got an owner and a front office that attacks all this with the energy of a Price is Right contestant. Chances are excellent. There will be a notable addition or two before the trade deadline. This team, as currently constructed, is resilient. They proved that Sunday. Uh, this team is in first place. This team is expected to get Carrasco back soon and Syndergaard a little later. I expect the batting average will likely crawl north of 229. But this fan base, understandably, remembers 2007. This fan base knows that injury-wise, Maybe it wasn't the fault of Ray Ramirez all those years. And most of all, there is no way Atlanta, Philly, and Washington all finish below 500. Atlanta's without Acuna, Darno, and Ozuna, but just dealt for Jock Peterson. Philly still has Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins. One of those teams will get its motor running, get out on the highway, to uh, borrow a phrase from Steppenwolf, as one does. In other words, hang on to your hat these last 70 games or so. So, that's my personal state of the state from 10,000 feet, somewhere in between optimism and pessimism, between sunshine and tsunami. That's where these 2021 Mets will settle. And as we start this run of podcasts with 72 games to go, games 88 through 90 were indeed played this past weekend in Pittsburgh, home of the Pirate Parrot, fantastic pierogies, 
and the most underrated ballpark in the league. Friday, the Mets lost 4-1. They got only three hits, but they engaged in a benches-clearing incident, thanks to Marcus Stroman and John Nagowski, each thinking the other was a clown. That was also the night Lindor hurt his oblique. Saturday, not great, Bob. Uh, the Mets at that point had somehow blown a 5-0 lead and a 6-0 lead to the lowest-scoring team in baseball, doing that in a span of three games. And what happened Saturday was just a final blow to what had already been a pretty miserable day. Uh, the news about Lindor and DeGrom. Pittsburgh got 5 in the 8th off Lugo, 4 in the ninth off Diaz. 9-7 Buccos the final. Diaz with a bases-loaded backdoor slider to strike out Polanco for out number 2 in that fateful ninth inning. And you think, okay, he's going to MacGyver his way out of this thing. Next pitch is five inches inside, and somehow Jacob Stallings, son of the University of Pittsburgh basketball coach who once went 0-18 in conference play, he corkscrews one into the corner for a walk-off salami. To his credit, left fielder Kevin Pillar went Super Dave Osborne after it, diving headfirst into the first row. Had he dove over his left shoulder, he might have made the play of the year, but alas, he dove over his right shoulder, and the ball hit a fan right in the chest. The other laugh to keep from crying element of that play, the Edwin Diaz salute to Hansel Robles. When Stallings made contact, Diaz reacted with a finger point straight up to the sky, like it was a pop-up for someone in the infield to call for. Uh, Nope, over the wall, game-winning grand slam, first home run allowed by Diaz all year, and the first place lead now down to a precarious two and a half games. So now to Sunday. As DeGrom headed to the IL, backdated by the way, so hopefully he just misses one start, maybe two. The skipper goes instead with Taiwan Walker on the mound. All-star Taiwan Walker, who did give up that home run to his former Mariners teammate Mike Zanino in the All-Star game, but otherwise represented very well. Uh, I think Mets fans are very happy that it ended up being Taiwan Walker, not Trevor Bauer, in the rotation for many reasons. Now, uh, one concern, though, especially if DeGrom is going to be on again, off again. Walker has already thrown more innings this year than all of 2018 through 2020 combined. But for now, he's averaging a strikeout per inning. First time in his nine-year big league career he's done that. He's been particularly tough on lefties this year. In fact, he's one of only four righty starters in the majors holding them to a sub-500 OPS. DeGrom has got those suckers down to 429. Brandon Woodruff is at 440. Tyler Glasnow is at 470. Then it's Walker at 498. The Mets coming into this game 13 and 3 when he pitches, so surely this would go well, right? Well, uh, about that. Bottom of the first, all star Adam Frazier, a lefty, grounds out, but then Wilmer Defoe, a one out double. He scores on a single. There's a walk to Ben Gamble. Then the big Nagowski. What a find for the Pirates. John Nagowski, 20 for his first 38 since being acquired from the Cardinals for cash, straight cash. A double scoring two to make it three to nothing. And you think those Pittsburgh fans don't love a guy named Nagowski out there wearing 69 and stirring up trouble and hitting 516? The Cardinals and outfielders, man, they had this guy. They had a Rosarena. They had Gritchick, Piscotti, Patrick Wisdom, Adolis Garcia, Luke Voigt. All of them played outfield at either AAA or the Majors, uh, and now here's Nagowski, another log on that fire of failure. Outfielders they should have hung on to and didn't. Anyway, 3 nothing Pittsburgh, and from there, let's transition to a different movie of that generation besides The Big Lebowski. You guys remember the scene in Dumb and Dumber where Lloyd hits Harry with his cane, then Harry trips Lloyd down the stairs, and Harry licks the side of the ski lift and gets his tongue frozen to it. 
Then Lloyd puts a turbo lax in Harry's cup of tea. That's pretty much what happened next in this game. Walker fields a roller up the third base line that he thinks is foul. He flips it 40 feet away for emphasis. Well, it was called fair. Three runs score. Luis Rojas gets ejected. Walker's done for the day with an ERA that is now up to 299 instead of 2.5. Six nothing Pirates, meaning from Saturday night into Sunday, uh, their last three innings, five runs scored, four runs scored, six runs scored. This is the worst offense in baseball, or at least it was, but they managed 15 runs against eight outs. Okay, deep breath. Here comes the comeback. Top of the third, Nimmo gets on, no surprise. Eventually scores on an infield single from Dom Smith. Dom's OPS has risen every month this season. 6-1 to one into the fourth, when the recently promoted Travis Blankenhorn picks a heck of a time for his first big league home run. The former Mariners and Dodgers minor leaguer getting it done in his home state, his hometown of Pottsville, a straight three-and-a-half-hour shot east on the old Pennsylvania Turnpike. And uh, Blankenhorn up from Syracuse when Lindor got hurt. Just his third ever big league hit. It's a three-run bomb to right center, scoring Nito and Villar in front of him. So uh, suddenly it is to 6-4, and the Pirates starter JT Brubaker is out of the game. To the sixth inning, a big two-out double by Smith scores McNeil, who had gotten on with a walk. Smith goes to third on a throwing error. Conforto, though, strikes out to end the inning, and everybody's getting all down on Conforto. Just wait. Mets are within 6-5. Same score by which they lost that Sunday game last week to the Pirates, the one where, where they had the big first inning and watched it drip away. So the bullpen quietly doing its job to keep the Mets in it. Two and two-thirds innings from Drew Smith. Scoreless inning from Castro. Aaron Loop after a scoreless fifth with a sweat-stained sixth inning. Bases loaded on two singles and a hit batsman. Nobody out. He gets the all-star Adam Frazier looking. Yes, down goes Frazier. Next up, the former national Wilmer Defoe, whose nickname I always thought should be Home. Home Defoe. Uh, He gets called out on strikes. I told you I was cheesy. Uh, Two out now, bases still loaded, and Loop, with his ERA for the year now 1.49, strikes out Brian Reynolds on a changeup to end the threat. That is some vintage 2015 Familia tightrope walking right there. But all right, 6-5 after that scare. Mets still within one. They go down in order in the 7th. 2021 version of Familia comes on for a scoreless bottom of the 7th. Can the Mets come back to complete the biggest comeback in Pittsburgh since the Pittsburgh Pisces took down the Lakers? And the fish had saved Pittsburgh back in the 1970s. The only movie ever featuring Julius Irving and Stockard Channing. Go look it up if you don't know it. All right, so uh, top of the order in the top of the eighth. Nimmo leads off, strikes out, despite going up 2-0 in the count. Alonzo's up next and does not get the game-tying home run you were hoping for. uh, But an infield single to bring up the squirrel. Jeff McNeil is the go-ahead run. Last home run for McNeil, May the 8th. And he makes solid contact here, but he lines to left, out number two. Up comes J.D. Davis, who, like Nimmo, gets ahead 2-0, and then proceeds to strike out. Scoreless bottom of the eighth from Familia. His ERA now down to 3.7. On to the ninth, Richard Rodriguez in the close for the Pirates. Dom Smith works a full count. Ropes a single to right. Three-hit game for Dom. No met with a four-hit game since James McCann back in May, by the way. But no matter. Up comes Conforto. And would you believe the man with one home run in his last 33 games, the face of frustration all season long, here's what happened. One ball, one strike, pitch. Conforto, it's a high fly ball, deep center field. Reynolds is back at the wall, and it's gone! A home run! Michael Conforto 
gives the Mets the lead. A two-run homer to straightaway center field off of Richard Rodriguez. And the Mets have come all the way back from a 6-0 deficit. They have taken a 7-6 lead here in the top of the ninth. Holy cow. 7-6 Mets, and they turn to Trevor May for his second save of the year. It's been an up-and-down season for the likable right-hander. He starts with Ben Gamble, the Jason Worth lookalike, walks him on a 3-2 fastball. First walk by the Met bullpen all game after Walker had lived up to his own name, put four on in that rough first inning. Next up, uh, that Nagalski guy. Cuts at the first pitch, gets just under it, flies to Conforto. Take a breath. Up comes Saturday's salami guy, Jacob Stallings. He strikes out on high cheese, two down. Michael Perez, the last hope for the Pirates. He hits one over to Alonzo. Ball game. 2017 was the last time the Mets had come back from down six to win. They did that in Miami in what was a lost season. This time, this one was a tad more important. There had been only two games since 1906 The teams had traded six-run comeback wins on consecutive days. The Blue Jays and Reds did it just a couple years ago. Back in 1968, the Cardinals and Reds. That's it. That's the whole list. The Mets are now on it. So the Mets, who were in danger of, in the words of the great Ron Burgundy, suffering from a spiritual and existential funk, they avoid their first four-game losing streak of the year. They had started out with that crazy 6-5 loss on a Sunday to Pittsburgh. Almost ended with the exact same thing. But Conforto to the rescue. 7-6, your happy final. After the game, Luis Rojas, not the winning manager, by the way. That was bench coach Dave Jouse. Luis got on the Zoom with reporters. I mean, it's, they're all huge. I'm always going to say that all, all wins are um, big equally. Uh, but just coming from yesterday's tough loss, right, and uh, being with the same uh, deficit in the first inning, like that could that could put some heads down, right? But hey, once again, you you said it, the resiliency here, the guys believing in themselves uh, and knowing that they're they're gonna they can come back in this game, which they did. Every single one of them. All right, Travis Blanco and three three run homer uh, off the bench earlier in the early in the game, and the guys in the bullpen that came in just to keep uh, the Pirates at six runs for eight innings. So. It's yeah, I'm very proud of the group. I mean, this is uh, another good sign of how good of a team we are. And uh, you know, now we just gotta go to Cincy and you know keep playing the way uh, we're playing and believing in ourselves. And you know, so uh, we're probably gonna um, let's see, probably gonna be in need of some arms. But just sharing this with you, I know I've been asked this about tomorrow and Tuesday. Um, I is pitching is starting our game tomorrow, so you know, so he's gonna be our starter, and we still TBA for Tuesday. Final line score, seven runs, 11 hits, two errors for the Mets, 6-11-1 for the Pirates. Familia the win, May the save, Rodriguez and his 10 pounds of hair with the loss for the Pirates. Nimmo, as we go through the box score, 0 for 2 but 3 walks, bumping his on-base percentage up to 433. The Mets' record for a single season is 447. John Olerud back in 98. Olerud, for his Mets career, ended up with a 425 OBP. Never won a gold glove or made an all-star team as a Met, which doesn't seem right at all. Anyway, Nemo, ever since he's come off the IL, has been terrific. Alonzo, 2 for 5. Home run total for the year holds at 17. McNeil, 1 for 4 with a walk. He's batting 340 in July. Extra base hit still aren't there. He's got one double in his last 86 at-bats. But, all right, McNeil's uh, coming on here. He's got an eight-game hitting streak. No Met has gotten a nine all year, which is kind of crazy. 
J.D. Davis 0 for 3, couple punch-outs and a walk, but he's now reached base safely in all 15 games he started this year. Dom Smith, we mentioned, a 3 for 5 game. has been much better since a little adjustment with his stance. Luis Rojas said he had no base. Now he's been better with his lower half. Power numbers have increased the last couple of weeks for sure. Conforto had been 0 for 3, then got his biggest hit of the year. He's now up to a 205 batting average. I think he's a dormant volcano. I think at some point Conforto remembers how to hit. Uh, last season had a higher OPS than Mookie Betts, higher OPS than Bryce Harper. So let's see where it goes from here. VR was 1 for 5 with Lindor out for the foreseeable future. Grade 2 oblique strain. Uh, VR could be your guy at short for a while. Those things sometimes last 4 or 5 weeks, if not 6 Nito, two for five. His batting average up to 260. That's higher than McNeil and Alonzo, just to name a couple. And uh, we should see James McCann back behind the plate in Cincinnati. Your number nine hitter was supposed to have been Walker, who never did get to hit after that six-run bottom of the first. Nothing to see at the plate anyway. He's not DeGrom. He's one for 28 with 19 strikeouts. Jake's still hitting 364 with an OPS higher than Lindor and Dom Smith. But in that nine spot, Blankenhorn, the three-run pinch hit, Homer, Guillaume, Pilar, Peraza were all 0 for 1. All right, after the game, Taiwan Walker met the media, giving credit where it was due. Yeah, it was huge for us as a team. Um, obviously, I didn't do my part. Sucked today. But the team, uh, the hitters picked me up, and especially the bullpen too, man. Came in um, as a starter to not make it out of the first inning. Um kills our bullpen, but they just put up zero after zero after zero, and um, they're the ones who kept us in the game, and then um, we've been putting up runs lately, our offense has, and, um, you know, Langhorn, congrats to him on his first home run, and, you know, we just kept scratching and crawling and um, got, you know, three runs, and then another one, another one, and then finally Mike hit that uh, go-ahead two-run home run, and um, it kind of says a lot about our team, you know, obviously the first two games yesterday was a tough loss, but for us to bounce back after that loss yesterday was huge, and especially the way yeah, I started off the game. A no decision for Taiwan Walker. The bullpen picked him up. So now the Mets are done with the Pirates. They played all seven games on the schedule against them in a seven-game span. The Mets had never ended the first half, opened the second half against the same opponent. Add that to the list of wacky nonsense here in 2021. The season series ended up 4-3 Pittsburgh, which nobody really expected. But with the Pirates in the rearview mirror, now we are... On to Cincinnati, yes, uh, to Great American Ballpark, which frankly isn't that great. It's actually named for an insurance company, Great American. So it's more ballpark sponsored by Great American, not wow, what a Great American Ballpark, capiche? Your pitching matchups from the land of the weird chili spaghetti. Now remember, no DeGrom in Cincinnati. Uh, We were looking forward to DeGrom in Cincinnati for many reasons, but I think it's always fun to flash back because that's where he mowed down the AL All-Stars a few years back in that ballpark. Ten pitches, all strikes. Boom, roasted. Struck out the side. But DeGrom with that FM radio station ERA sidelined to the Mets will patch something together up against Vladimir Gutierrez, a 25-year-old right-handed Cuban with a bunch of sick tattoos on his neck. Just one run allowed against the first-place Brewers last time out for him despite not a single strikeout in six innings. Tuesday, Uh, Well, it'll be the resurgent Wade Miley for Cincinnati, who's got a no-hitter to go with a 2.8 ERA this year. Then there's a Wednesday matinee finale. The Reds being led by a couple of all-star outfielders, Jesse Winker and, uh, of course, Nick Castellanos, who 
led the league at the break with a 331 batting average. And at the break, there have been just a few Reds outfielders to top that figure since the days of the big Red machine. 1993, Kevin Mitchell, 357. Yes, the same Kevin Mitchell who scored on the Bob Stanley Wild pitch to tie the Buckner game at 5. 2003, they had Jose Guillen at 337 at the break. Back in 1979, George Foster was at 333. Ah, George Foster. You Mets historians always remember George Foster against the Reds for sitting out the brawl at Old Riverfront, the Ray Knight, Eric Davis dust-up. And uh, the aforementioned Kevin Mitchell needed an everyday spot in that 86 Mets lineup. Davey Johnson was kind of looking at Foster as expendable anyway. Foster staying in the dugout while a Jerry Springer episode was playing out in front of everybody. That was all Davey needed to get his way and get Foster released. We will talk more about all that Wednesday from Cincinnati. That'll be the actual anniversary of that seminal Mets moment. But back to the current iteration of the Reds, Winker and Castellanos are the guys you have to watch out for. You can watch the game, listen to the game, depending on if you're a TV or radio guy, starting at 7.10 p.m., either on WCBS and the Mets Radio Network or on SNY. Hey, before we shut this down, a quick reminder for you. On the promotions front, fireworks is coming Friday night back home. Uh, cooler giveaway Saturday and Sunday. It's First Responder Weekend. Go to Mets.com slash First Responders for more info. And, of course, don't forget a straight-up doubleheader on Monday the 26th. Put that in your day planner. So that'll do it for Mets in the Morning, Volume 1. Again, the final from Sunday in Pittsburgh, Mets 7, Pirates 6. I want to thank the Mets in the Morning house band. Let's introduce these guys on piano, keyboards. Jason Vargas, slapping the bass. Brad Emus, on horns, Omar Quintanilla. And laying down the downbeat on the drums, Dice K Matsuzaka. This is Josh Lewin, wishing you in parting peace, love, and soul. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, please. If you haven't already, tell a friend we exist. And we'll do it all again tomorrow. Seacrest out. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.